Radio on Farside TV. We got my co-host Jeremy Scipio and uh, the home and the homeboy uh, Zeb. Right now he's playing with Tribal Seeds. So it. yeah, so so that so to kick it off, I'm gonna, uh, I always tell a story on how I meet the guests that I know. So um, basically, with this one, uh, it was the first time. Uh, it was a first time for me uh, in all the years that I've been on the road, been on the road since like 97. And uh, so I'm leaving to, 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 to catch up. Well, I'm, we're all going, we're going, we're all going to do a couple festivals for like two weeks. And so we're leaving out of LAX and the booking agent was like, yo man, I got this uh, travel agent. I, you know, I want, you know, I want you guys to use her. I want you guys to use her, blah, 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 blah. He's probably, he probably wanted us to use her so he could get miles or something like that or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> kick back, kick and, back. When, and when I was talking to her, she just was like, she wasn't a people person, but she was like, Oh no, 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 no. I deal with red man. I deal with blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, man, I'm gonna try to work it out. But I called the, the booking agent. I'm like, yo, Mike, man, she, uh, she, she don't seem to, to uh to people friendly you know i know we're not getting you know 60 or seventy thousand dollars worth of flights but i'm like you know she doesn't seem too hands-on he's like no 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 i deal with her blah 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 blah. so anyway so before we leave i'm like you know what i'm gonna do the right thing i'm gonna go by the post office and i'm gonna pay rent on the where pay rent on the warehouse which it it wasn't even late. Like I clearly could have waited till I got back, but me just going out of town and just, I guess, whatever. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and pay this rent at the post office or drop it in the post office and then, uh, and then hop on the plane. So 
I'm getting to the airport and the guys start calling me one after another. And they're like, dude, I don't know what kind of ticket she got us. We're flying on version. And she was like, I don't know what type of ticket she got us, but you can't stand in the first line. You have to stand in a secondary line and then go to the first line. And so I started getting nervous, like, man, I've never missed a flight, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I said, well, you know what? I'm responsible for three other people. Let I'll, I'll just pay for it. And I'm going to park at like the closest, like literally at the airport. Like, like right when you walk right across the bridge, you're at the terminal. So that $40 a day shit. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. That was for 14 days. That's exactly what it was. So, (laughs) so so I go park the car. I got two big bags of merch and I'm walking and got to, I can't just go across. I got to catch the elevator up a higher floor. I mean, uh, yeah, the elevator up to go up to a higher floor, then come down. So the guys are like, man, we finally got on that. We finally got through, but man, dude, you're going to have to go through some stuff. So mm. I get into the, the Virgin terminal. And so the, the flight basically went from uh, LA to Las Vegas, from Las Vegas to Manchester. So I get in there and it's just, the line is ridiculous. And you got to go to this other line before you go to that line. So mm. I'm like, okay. I try to flag down uh, somebody who looked like they got some authority and then pull my little hip hop stuff. Like, yo, man, I'm responsible for three other people. I manage this rap group, whatever, uh-huh. whatever. I got to yeah. get on this plane. There's no way that I can't get on this plane. They're like, cool story, bro. Hey, <laughs> yeah. yeed me out of this universe, man. It, was, it, didn't even, it didn't even make a difference. So I'm making my way, but I'm not tripping because I'm like, well, if they got to go to Las Vegas... I can get to Las Vegas and then I could just pick up my ticket and then we can, you know, move on. But the whole twist was if I wasn't on that Virgin plane from LA to Las Vegas, from Las Vegas to, to Europe was canceled, was null and void. So the lady that I'm dealing with tried to antagonize me, which is one thing as a manager, tour manager, dude, I got to deal with that a lot. Like basically they try to poke at you to get you to just to swell up on them so they could just dish you and just make you miss yeah. a flight or something. Yeah. So <laughs> she was coming at me with everything and I was just calm, cool, collective. No, no, I'm sorry. I just, I really need to catch the flight, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> she was like, well, you're not going to be able to catch this flight. So I said, well, can I speak to a manager? So when the manager came. Damn, you carrying her, huh? Man, let me tell you, <laughs> when the manager came, I want to speak to the manager. <laughs> but the manager was like a mail Karen, I guess. The, the, yeah, he was like a, he was like a mail Karen because he wasn't tripping either. But when they saw they couldn't rattle my cage, they said, "Well, let me look for you another flight." So then, the flight was like three thousand dollars, and I was like, mm-hmm. "You know what? There's no way I have three thousand dollars to hop on this plane, but I gotta be on the plane to catch up with these guys." And so I'm gonna mm-hmm. tell you, we're playing it cool, pays off. The manager said, you know what, since you didn't give us a problem, I'm going to call Air France and see if they can courteously comp us, comp you, uh, and we'll get you on a flight uh, to Manchester, but you won't be with your guys, but you'll land like maybe five or six hours later. So um, long story short, I know after I didn't talk 10 minutes about it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're going to go long story short? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So. Uh, I only ended up spending my, my parking and then they charged me $187 to switch the flight over to go out of Air France. So go to Air France. We do the shows, had a cool little week in between festivals. We hung out in Amsterdam and then I'm flying back. 
So I see this guy on his laptop and he's just pecking away or whatever. There's a seat between us. He's pecking away on his laptop. And but I could see like musical stuff. Like I don't, I don't know if it was Pro Tools or Logic or whatever, but I saw musical stuff going up and down. And I was on my uh, laptop because I was doing like the final accounting for the shows, all that stuff. So I could give the guys a statement. And so somewhere, maybe we were a couple hours away. And I was like, are you a musician? And he's like, yeah, you know, I play drums. I was just out with Barrington Levy. And then I was like, oh, yeah, man, I managed the far side. So we both were kind of like, oh. Yeah, I was oh. like, damn, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, if I can remember correctly, a couple shots of alcohol liquor ensued. And we got a cool <laughs> little conversation going. Yeah, we had a good time, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then we got back, and then I found out. Uh, I think I followed him on Instagram, and I went to see, you know, what was going on. So I see him playing for this band, and like, there's just like thousands of people out from his drum kit. I want to say he took a picture from his drum kit, and there's like thousands of people, but I had never heard of the band. But uh -huh. when I did my my research. I found out he played for Tribal Seeds, which is like a local reggae band, and there's they're one of those bands. They don't have radio play. It's almost a reggae version of a hippie band where like they just have a, a organic ground level fan base of where you don't see too much about them. You don't hear too much about them. But if you know they're like what everybody's into. As a matter of fact, uh, shout out to OG Storm. She uh, came through with a nice fat litter today, even though we have... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We went through a lot for this litter, man. I, 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 Aww. I'll say this, man. Out of all the litters I've had with dogs, this one tested me. I've, I've never been worried. I've never been anything. And I like this one really took me to places that, uh, yeah. She's cool, been. though. She's good, right? She's good. Oh, yeah. No, you might hear them. Uh, they're right in the next room. The pups are uh, screaming a little bit. But, uh, they're on the Imperial <laughs> Cruiser with you? Yeah, they're I got, I got I got dogs in the Imperial Cruiser. You understand me? Stormtrooper dogs up in there. Yeah, That's man. Funny. Yeah, no, we had we had a really good time on the plane, man. That was a fun time, man, because uh, we ended off right away, and you're like, "Yo, let's get a drink," and then we just started drinking and started talking about music, and you know, L.A. I'm from L.A. From you know, all of that far side, just hip hop in mm. general, music in general, and and shit like that. And I got to meet the guys after when we when we landed, which was really cool because I never met them in all these years, you know too so nah. I was like, and then i came and i came and saw you guys a couple of times on a couple other shows after since then too we kind of stayed in touch too you yeah no nah, it was it was a cool you know it's a trip you know when i meet people uh, the whack part is i can connect with somebody abroad easier than i can connect with somebody in my own city you know what i'm saying like and and and, and we stay cool zeb and i we don't talk on the phone we don't talk every day like i i've hit him maybe like three or four times we go back and forth online a little bit but I'll say the relationship in music is definitely like a special relationship. Yeah, for you know sure. Man? So tell me this, where did you grow up? Um, so I'm from LA. Um, I was kind of like all around. My, my dad lived in Venice and my mom lived in the Valley. And so I was kind of back and forth between those two places when I was a little kid. And so I kind of grew up on the boardwalk in Venice, you know, skateboarding and that whole life. And then um, and when I was in the Valley, that beach life wasn't there. And music, my whole family played music. Uh, my mom played guitar. My brother played guitar. My stepdad played guitar. So I played guitar. You know, I hated it. I was a little kid. And 
I was real hyper and <laughs> shit. So my mom bought me a drum set when I was about nine. And um, I took lessons for maybe a couple years when I was a little kid. Um, and then um, I kind of just played in my room mostly, you know, to records. Back then it was like classic rock stuff mostly, you know what I mean? And, you know, some punk rock type stuff and everything like that. And as time went on, once I got into, say, like junior high, this is like, we're talking like, you know, sometime in the 80s um that's when k-day you know was popping off and um you know we got into hip-hop through k-day when it was on the am station back then whatever it was you had to go through a lot of static man a lot yeah all that static to try and find it and you know all of that so kind of growing up kind of i feel like kind of growing up in la i was like even when i wasn't playing drums all the time because i was doing school and all of that i was in the music in general and i was into the local la bands like like uh, Fishbone and Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you know, all, and 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 um, underground hip hop groups too at that time that were kind of like coming up around that era too. You know what I mean? But before that, so um, I think I, I started playing drums, and 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 you know, we started bands and stuff. And you know, I didn't really get serious about it until I would say after high school. Um, through high school, I went to performing arts high school and, and stuff like that, and I played drums. But I'm here. It was what's that you went there? I went to a performance in With- Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So Cincinnati, I went, it was like, yeah, I played key. Wait, you went to an actual school or was it like a magnet from like a regular school? No, it was an actual school. It was a, uh, a school for creative performing arts. Actually, that's where uh, me and uh, Ron met as a uh, piano player from um, uh, Free Nationals. Oh, killer, man. Sweet. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I, you guys are probably way beyond me then. So mine was just like a magnet. Within, <laughs> it was a magnet within a regular high school, basically. So, you know, oh, I took okay, all, okay. all the band, you know, it was it was like a special program within like the regular high school. So I did that. Okay, you know, okay. we have bands and whatever, whatever. <laughs> and so um, and so uh, I got into music um, then and then I kind of stopped for a while and then I think I, you know, I tried to go to college and all that shit. And, you know, I, I got called for a tour of Europe, I think. And it was uh, a regular artist from Jamaica, Ross Michael. Um, and he brought me to Ross. Europe. So he's like an old school, Naya Bingi, Rasta from the Hills music, right? You know what I mean? I'm this little white dude from Venice, you know what I'm saying? And he kind of took me under his wing and was like, yo, this kid's good. He's got a good vibe and he wants to learn. And kind of really gave me like, show me the ropes of what the music was about. And also how to play it correctly too, you know what I mean? At the same time and learn it from authentic Jamaican artists, you know? And so, but I was I was playing other music, like I say, like hip hop. Um, before that, I would say like the first show I went to um, in like was at the Palladium and it was Run DMC and the BC Boys. And like- I was there. I, I was, were you there? Yeah, that that show, there. I'm gonna say it was what, 86, 85, 86, around that time, something like, like that. 85, 86. So that's funny, man. Yeah. So that was like probably the first hip hop show that I went to, you know, rap music back then. We was, you know, and the hip hop vibe and everything. We were like, whoa, you know what I mean? This is some incredible shit. Because at that time, you know, before that, it was kind of like, you know, we like, we did, you know, we all the break dancing on the fucking, you know, um, cardboard and all that shit with the K Day and all that. But, you know, it's more like, I think when Run DMC, <laughs> when Run DMC came out, it kind of like, I don't know, something about that group just like hit all of us from every like race, you know, all my white, all my Mexican friends, all my black, everybody loved Run DMC. And so that kind of, you know, started off my love for, for that, for the music. I don't know if that sounds cliche or not, but, you know. So tell, so tell me this, 
<laughs> when did you hear hip hop for the first time? Man, that's a hard question. When I actually heard hip hop for the first time, yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it was on K Day though, and it was probably when I was around seventh grade because I remember. Yeah, like sixth, seventh grade, probably. You know what I'm saying? Like on a playground and, and dudes was popping and, you know, doing this shit on the fucking. I'm like, oh, that's cool as fuck. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, like, I want to learn that shit, you know? So I learned my little moves. I had like three moves, you know what I'm saying? I could do, I could scramble a little bit, you know what I mean? I could, I could lock a little bit back then or whatever. Like, you know, I could, I, you know, I eventually learned how to do some little windmills and shit like that, but I wasn't that good at it. I just like the whole culture of it. Not to mention, the whole graffiti culture, because I was always into art and graffiti as well. So mm -hmm. the whole graffiti culture of it got me into the music a lot too from that, you know what I mean? And then after that, so, you know, growing up in, in the Valley, I went to Cal State Northridge and we used to have like noontime concerts. So I saw Diggable Planets live. I saw, you know, all these groups that I was listening to at that time, Souls of Mischief and all of that, probably even Farside back then maybe, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, cause what, when, when did Lab Cabin come out? What year was that? 95, 94, 94. It's about the same time. So I bet you they did play there too. I can't, I don't have a great memory, but you know, so I started like seeing all these bands play live and same with reggae. Um, that's what got me into actually reggae music too, is, uh, seeing it live. You know, I got to see Steel Pulse and I got to see Black Uhuru with Sly and Robbie and all this shit, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, yo, I want to do that. That's dope, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes when you hear the records, back then I was into like punk rock and all this fast shit, you know what I mean, and whatever. And I thought it was kind of slow, but once I saw the concert, saw the drummers playing and bass and all of that shit, and I was like, yo, it's the same thing with hip hop to me. Like once I seen it live, I was like hooked on it, you know what I mean, as a musical art form, you know? Mm -hmm. So then um, I just continued on like and uh, from from Ross Michael, I started, um, you know, just playing with a lot of different artists and a lot of Jamaican artists. Um, back then it was Mikey Dredd and Nicodemus and Shinehead and these guys. It turned into later on Mr. Vegas and Lady Saw and Sugar Minot and these guys. And then it turned into Barrington Levy and Gregory Isaacs, Sean Paul, you know, uh, Shaggy and all those guys. And I kind of. My band was actually Detour Posse was my band and still is um one of my bands and we we were like basically like the backing band, like like the Roots but in the reggae world you know what I'm saying like we would back everybody and and a lot of Jamaican artists loved us because we played the music good but we also were Americans with American passports so it was hella easier at that time to tour us or to come here without a band because it was cheaper for them to then to get in all the, all the visas and shit you know. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna Jeremy got a question he wants to ask you, but I'm gonna tell you something crazy. So um, I don't know if you had a chance to ever experience it, but the first reggae sun splashes in L.A. were at the uh, Velodrome in Carson. Yeah, the uh, Velodrome. Yeah, they used to have a gang of shows over there. I used to go all the time. And I'm gonna tell you what amazed me about reggae. Exactly what you're saying they would fly they would fly a band in or they said they flew a band in i don't know where they but no back then i think they were flying a band in but basically it usually was they had the same band back and everybody was like a jamaican that, band no nah, that's that and that's what blew my mind it was mm -hmm. one band that that's played what we did five, yeah five hours literally that's what one we band did that played for five hours, and then the it was almost that would be 
that would be a dope hip hop show if they could pull it off. If they had one DJ and then you just had all the acts come up and then- I mean, I think they've done that before for sure. Especially a DJ, having an actual live band that could do that for all, that would be a little harder, right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because because of the arrangements and all. But I mean, you could still do it, but that was how reggae was. Sometimes we would back, like we like you say, so we were the, you're talking about Sunsplash and then they used to do Bob Marley Day. Remember Bob Marley yeah. Day at the Long Beach Arena? And my, we were basically like the house band. So we would back six, seven artists each day sometimes. And sometimes we wouldn't even meet these dudes. Like literally they'd send a set list. We would rehearse it, go and play the show in front of 15,000 people and never even say hi. Like Mad Cobra. I remember I backed Mad Cobra. Got flicks. Time to have sex. Remember Mad Cobra? <laughs> and so we backed Mad Cobra. Yeah. And I never even met Matt Cobra, dude. I just learned his show. We backed him and killed it or whatever. And then he just bounced out and left. And I never even said hi or, hey, I'm the drummer or nothing like that shit. You know what I mean? It's, it was like that situation where, like, back then we would back, like, you know, we were like the house band kind of. So we ended up backing all these cats, you know what I'm saying? And that turned into hip-hop artists, too, like Heavy D and Foxy Brown and um, and KRS-One and people like that. I met through playing with other artists and ended up playing with them or sometimes, yo, we need this track done or, you know, oh, I need a drummer for a show or, or whatever, you know what I mean? And so I was, mm -hmm. you know, kind of mixing both worlds. But, yeah, man, it's... It, it's it, it's, it's interesting that you say that, though, because I think you could do that with a DJ. Definitely. Uh, when, at, what point did you, at what point did you start to want to play music on your own? Um, I think, well, I wanted to play music, I think, since I was about six or seven years old, I think. Like, I really knew. You mean like that I wanted to make a career out of it or I just wanted to play music? I really just want to play. I mean, yeah, I think I was I think I was a little kid, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was probably like seven years old. And I was like, oh man, you know, I want to do that and watch it and then you know, see these drummers doing drum solos and all this shit. And I'm like, oh, that's dope. I want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Probably you played me, you know, your piano player, you probably like who was your influence that you were like, oh, I saw this dude and I wanted, you know. Uh honestly, I would say the 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 at church, you know, just watching them kind of just jam and the control the musicians had over the people. But uh -huh. uh, I'd say my favorite my favorite piano player now is Oscar Peterson. Like, I don't think it comes close when it comes right. to this, this pure playing the piano. Like, just yeah, killing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think back, back then for me, uh, when I was that little, it was John Bonham from Led Zeppelin, the drummer for Led Zeppelin, pretty much. I heard that, and which is funny that I say that because he also influenced a whole lot of that 80s rap hip hop music too. You know what I'm saying? If you if you really think about it, Rick Rubin's right. production, Rick Rubin's production, and they even sampled John Bonham a lot of those old records because he was just hard driving and it was a rock band, but it was like hip hop beats he was doing back in the 70s with a rock band. So Rick Rubin mm. and these guys, that's why he started bringing all those rock guitars with Run DMC and Beastie Boys and all that with those like, Big beat, you know, all that shit. All that shit came from Led Zeppelin, from John Bonham. So I was, that's why I think I love both music, rock music and, and hip hop music, because I think they're, they're very related through that like connection of, of where that, that, that era, you know? But then I got into, then I got into the whole 90s, you know, when the Far Side came out, when Loud Cabin came out. You know, that was a huge record for me. Um, uh, Souls of Mischief records, like 
Diggable Planets, uh, De La Soul, Jungle Brothers, all that. Like, I was into that tribe, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was my whole, you know, shit back then. I just, I just didn't really immerse myself in that scene as, like, a drummer. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of wish I did look more now, you know what I'm saying? Because I would love to play with some of those groups, you know what I'm saying? You know, something funny, <laughs> I, um, like... You know, I, I knew the far side since uh, probably I knew I knew Tranny Monty since like 87 and then Brown and like 89 and then Lip probably the summer of 89. I met him, but I really didn't know him. But I'll tell you something funny. So I was the homeboy before I did the management thing and, you know, all that other stuff. I tell this story a million times, but I'm going to tell it to you. <laughs> Because it's, it's amazing to me. <laughs> like, I really didn't get their influence um, on their musical contribution. And to, matter of fact, they did a, they did Lollapalooza one year was at the Velodrome and they performed. And um, when I looked on the side of the stage and it's whack, but but I was like in the studio as they made albums, but I never... Like I heard it in pieces. Like I heard like little demo tapes, and then like yeah. the way the like the way Lab not Lab Cabin, but the way Bizarre Eye was put together. I would be in and out of the studio, but I never like sat there and like heard like until the album was finished. I didn't hear it in its entirety. I just heard like right, right. bits and pieces coming and going. So even though I saw the homeboys in the studio, it didn't resonate to me that they were doing something great. Or that's, that's something that people would perceive as great. So anyway, years later, they're doing this song, this show at Lollapalooza. And um, I look on the side of the stage and you see Tribe Called Quest. You see the Beastie Boys. You see George Clinton and his, barber, his daughter, Barbarella. And I'm looking and I'm like, Damn, they're here to see my homeboy. They're checking the show out. They're watching the show, right? I was like, maybe I'm not listening to their music right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. Like well, they, you don't know, but you don't know at that nah, time. No, because you're because you're too close to it. You're 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 too close. Yeah, to they're your homies like, oh, that's a cool song, but is it gonna be some big hit? You know what I'm saying? Or not? Like it's it's all you never know. Yeah, nah. And so that that was funny. And then you you know, you speaking on um punk rock and like old shows. I also remember seeing Fishbone and Fenders. Fishbone oh, Fenders. Fenders Ballroom. I was there every weekend for every show, bro. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. Fenders. I missed that place, man. man. I got my head, I got my head smashed by a few Doc Martin boots over the years. And there are people just stage diving and shit. That place was crazy, man. <laughs> I, I saw I saw Angelo from Fishbone climb up on the rafter and it broke. <laughs> yeah. He don't give a fuck. I bet you he kept singing too. Come on, man. He, he hit people, then he got on the <laughs> ground, then he got up, and he, you know, he finished his thing. Yeah. I know. He don't care, man. Anzo's, he's a, man, those guys is legend, L.A. legend um, to me, like, uh, just like J5 is, too, you know what I'm saying? And and uh, there's a lot of groups, I think, that came out of Los Angeles, man. And I was, I was, I was stoked up growing up in the air, like, where you did, where, like, we got to see all these guys live and shit. I mean, you remember, like, the Smoke and Grooves tours and shit, yeah. like, at the amphitheater? Man, I remember the Fuji's played one year and I saw Maya come out on a lion, like riding a lion. An actual <laughs> fucking lion, bro. And I was like, damn, this is probably the dopest shit I ever saw. You know what I'm saying? And like, 
I'm glad I'm glad I got to see all of that, you know, Gangstar and, and, and you know, hey. uh, Busta with Flip Mode and all of that shit at the, all those shows. Like, I feel like they don't really have that many shows like that anymore. And, you know, like, you know, obviously hip hop has changed and rap music has changed, you know what I'm saying? And But there's still factions of, of that era, I think, that's coming back now, too. You know what I'm saying? And you guys at Farside has always been there, but I think I'm Never. hoping... Never, never like a huge, huge, huge type of show. Like I'll, I'll say, yeah, not like a yeah. The the show that blew my wig back. I'll say like the first time I saw a well produced show, like well produced head to toe. Um, I forget the name of the tour, but it was Dr. Dre, Eminem, West Side right. Connection, oh, uh, Snoop oh. Dogg. Uh, Dang, what's that tour called? Uh. I can't even remember right now. That's like anger management. That's anger management. No, it wasn't anger oh, management. But Pete, but Pete, related to anger management. I hate that. I, I, I wasn't even really. It wasn't even related. Somebody's Google. <laughs> but it was a. It was a big ass show. I know what you mean. It was a big production. Yeah, that's like show. Go ahead. I'm <laughs> The part that blew me away was okay. Two things blew me away. One, when you had WC and Mac 10 battling each other, C walking and B walking. That was that was kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a little sudden. <laughs> yeah. But sonically, <laughs> uh Dr. Dre, when he came out on stage, he did something with the sound where it sounded like a helicopter, but he was panning it back and forth. Through, and you really thought a helicopter had flew into the... <laughs> Some THX shit, yeah? Yeah, and I was like, damn. You're like, oh, oh the, he the headliner's coming up. Up in Smoke Tour. Yep. Okay, there it is. Was it Up in Smoke? <laughs> oh, no, come on. Man. <laughs> he's, like, he's trying to Google, Google it right now. He's Googling it. Because I normally, I know these things, and it pisses me off. That's nah. what I know. But go ahead. Nah, you'll figure it, but yeah. But <laughs> nah, man, but, but like, as far as me seeing a show, and like that was like like visual, top. visual uh, lights dude. and video screen, the whole big thing, right? Like the Ooh. whole. Yeah. And I, I, I think I'll, that's what music is missing a little bit now. But you know what though? It was those large record, uh, the the record companies and the budgets that allowed. Yeah. Me to, I'll tell I you don't... the second sickest show that I saw. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a it wasn't a concert, but um, I was dealing with this attorney who was best friends with outcasts. Uh, I don't know if it was their attorney, maybe it was somebody who handled their publishing or something like that, but they got me into the, uh, when the Universal Amphitheater was was uh, was there and outcast was practicing for, it was either the Grammys or a some type of music award show. And they were practicing at the Universal Amphitheater. And uh, I can't remember if it was Big Boy or if it was Andre 3000, one of the dudes had a casket rolled out on that rolled out on stage. <laughs> another dude. <laughs> another that's cool shit though. <laughs> no, no, amazing. But that's yeah. just you know me just saying like, man, I've seen some stuff. And then I would say the height of production that I've probably seen and was fortunate enough to kind of work with was like gorillas on their like around 2004, them dealing with animation and watching mm -hmm. how they would. I never got to see them live. I wish I did, man. Oh man, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I heard it. I saw videos and shit. I like all that. Like it's <laughs> like avant-garde art, dope. Absolutely. Like, I like that shit, man. That shit's cool to me. You know what I'm saying? 
Yo, we I got a question from the, uh, the the live community. Uh, question is, uh, what's your what's your best musical on stage memory of a uh, Trey or T R E? Wait, talking to me or him? <laughs> it's talking to. Oh, man. You talking guess, to I, Greg? To Greg? That's yeah, for you, maybe Greg. That's what it was. Me. Oh, they miss Trey. You for real? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my best, huh? Ah. Yeah. <sighs> Man, man, oh man! You got he's got, old. Man. Got, Give him a minute. I got, got, look, I'm gonna let I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna let Smith yeah. finish. But then I, I got a question for you, Zed. I got you. I got you right after this. Yep. Oh, you still love me? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just, 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 get the people, get the people something. They want, just something a little bit, little man. something. I can't shoot, man. What? Musical I mean, on stage, man. There wasn't, Musical. I mean, the, the funny thing about it, Trey never did anything. Like, if something was to stand out, it would probably be something that he did was that, that would have been, like, really funny or derogatory or something like that, which he never did. And, he, you know, he just showed up and he just did shows. But if you want to talk about somebody doing... Like the only person that did things that if I look back and I think would be things that Lip would do, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. and he would just, you know, he, he was just, uh, uh, zero, uh, the, the phrase zero F's given, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'll tell you, no, yeah. I'll tell you one about Lip. I'll tell you a good <laughs> one. No, I'll tell you Ron. Okay. So when the far side reunited to do rock the bells, uh, -huh. uh all the musicians have been playing with us. But because they were Farside fans, when I say us, I mean Imani Brown and myself. Uh, but because they were Farside fans, they're, they're like, oh man, you know, we're going to be playing with the whole band. We're going to be playing with Lip. We're going to be playing with Trey. And them not knowing who these dudes were. And like, we never talked derogatory or hated on them or nothing like that. But we knew who they were as people. So it was pretty funny for me to see people uh, really get a dose of Lip. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they thought he was like this tame, you know, very cool, you know, like, like very docile, like kind of cat. Okay. So lip during rock the bells, lip was totally against the band. He hated the band. He's like, wow. The far size music doesn't need anybody playing music over those dope drums and samples and Dilla drums and samples. And, oh. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so I understand where he's coming from a little bit though, but ah, but he was to a level that like it would just he would get like rude and disrespectful so right right what he would do <laughs> so is for the band for sure dude let me tell you <laughs> dude he got the band kicked off like man he got the band kicked off the tour <laughs> so what he would do we'd be okay so as far side 2008 we're on tour with Nas, EPMD, De La Soul, I want a uh, Tribe Called Quest, all members. See, I want to go to that show right now, man. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> Dang. All right, wow. go ahead. It was live. Yeah. So I know it Lip, was. What Lip would do is he would walk up to band members one by one and he would say, I don't want you to play any music when it comes to my part. And so the band members would kind of look at each other and be like, well, man, you know, it's going to sound whack. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be playing a song and then all the, the musicians are playing. Then when it comes to his part, the band drops out. So what Lip would do, <laughs> 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 he, 
he will walk up to the band members one by one and be like, but do, while they're playing, he'd be like, <laughs> the rudest. It was the rudest ever, dude. It was the rudest. Yeah, it can't ever. be ruder than Jamaican. They, they're worse than that. They'll call the band out, be like, "Oh, the band didn't rehearse." Shit like that. Like on the uh, mic. <laughs> nah, but to see the musicians who love the Far Side, they know yeah. Imani and Brown. They only know of Lip and Trey, and they're feeling like they're at this great moment where all four members are together. And then the bammer's like, "Oh man, we gonna rock it. We gonna rock it." And then you got OG Fat <laughs> Lip. Guy, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, hey, so well, you know what? I bet you they've been through that shit before, just like I have, and they're like, ah, whatever. They just roll with it, you know what I'm saying? They pros, you, you know. Uh -huh. what I'm saying? Have, have you ever been dissed on the drums? I've ne I've never personally been dissed on the drums, no. Um, but I've seen it happen <laughs> many times, yeah. like for real. I've seen I've seen art like artists literally like stop the band, turn around, cuss them out. Tell the audience that the band sucks and shit, and then go. All oh right, come again. on! I swear come to on, God, man. man, I've seen it. I've seen it with Jamaican, one. with Jamaican artists. I've seen it. They, <laughs> hey. they, because here's the thing, like I said, a lot of times they 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 were touring and they never even met the band until like the day of the show, right? And my uh -huh. band happened to be very good at doing that, but some bands aren't, and sometimes they would get a band from Little City in North Carolina or something that wasn't really that good, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, couldn't really follow them and they would just stop the band, stop the music, cuss them out and all this shit. I think it's very unprofessional personally, like, you yeah, know what I mean? Heck yeah, how bad you have to be, you know how bad you I have mean, to be for me to you be kinda, on the actual you, band? You could kind of do it on the slide. There's there's a part in um in the Justin Timberlake's, um the live video that they put out, remember that big live movie video thing that Justin Timberlake? And, you know, that band he got is like an amazing fucking band. But there's one point my friend pointed out, he goes, they're playing, the bass player's playing, and Justin Timberlake kind of like leans over and he whispers to him, he goes, don't drag. <laughs> and like, he doesn't say it so that you can hear it, but you can see him go, don't drag. And I was like, even yeah. at that level, that's how you do it, though. Like, hey, you're fucking up. Yeah, like, exactly. Hey. You know what I'm saying? And you exactly. move on, you know what I mean? And that's, hey. how, that's how. I'll but give the call out is too real. I'll give, I'll give a moment in hip hop. This is a moment in hip hop. <clears throat> it was at the Palladium. KRS-One was performing. I don't know who else was. Now this was KRS-One probably around 90... Uh, had to be like 91, man. Had to be like mm. 91. So KRS-One was, was, was performing. And he had K Kenny Parker, I think, was his brother, maybe, was his brother. Or he was another big dude, because Karras one is a big dude, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he, he's smaller now, but he used to be like a, a bigger, like he was really a, like a giant kind of kind of cat. So beyond, beyond his hip-hop. So uh, the sound man who was working, you know what? It wasn't the sound man. It was the monitor man. So the monitor man was on the side of the stage. And you know what? I think he took one for the sound man because they were getting mad at the sound. And the next thing I know, dude, Karis one through a mic and it hit the sound man dead in the side of his head. And you, just, <laughs> you see the it's mic go up. pop and it shot straight up into the air. And then, dude, they didn't beat him up. <laughs> but his crew, dude. <laughs> They jumped on top of the 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 uh the monitor board and smashed it to smithereens, dude. <laughs> Wait, where where was this? I mean, at where the place. Damn. 
that's crazy. That's a little. That's a little aggro, if you ask me. I mean, and I, like I, we were talking before. I, I, I had a, I had a group of Karis um, and Shinehead and Madline, and it was gonna be like this punk rock dancehall hip hop group. And we did some recording and we rehearsed and shit. We just never put it out, but it was a dope project. I really wish it had happened. You know, Mad Lion is still around. Mad Lion's got a restaurant, I think, still in L.A. And and I don't think you guys remember Shinehead, but Shinehead um. Shinehead is uh I got his own sound system now, so he's still DJing and, and nah, that's where I that's where I know Shine, both of those cats kind of made their way around like the LA scene, like when they moved out here. And, mm -hmm. and it's a trip because they're they're very accessible. Like Matt Lyon, I remember he had a couple business ventures going on, and he mm -hmm. was like an ac uh, accessible, touchable guy. Yeah. And, as well as Shine, Shine matter of fact, I need to reach out to Shinehead. I know people you should, man. That's my homie, man. I love Shine. He's such a talented dude, man. He's funny as hell, too. Oh, he's like, man. he's just a good dude that like, you know, to know and shit. He's super talented. Just, you know, like there was a time when he had his, you know, his moment in the sun. He was big for a long yeah. time, man. Cause he was, he was one of the first ones that was fusing that gap between reggae and hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, and um, mm -hmm. there was a few artists like, um, I don't know if you remember, there was a club. This, this kind of what got me into the fusion of it too was a uh, funky reggae with TJ Matt Robinson back in the day Come on, for that man. club, right? It was so like it, it was like where the 10 freeway. I just remember like kind of where the 10 freeway somewhere in that, in that area. I don't remember yeah. exactly what street, but but funky regs to go with my homies and, and funky reggae was like this blend mashup of reggae, dancehall, and hip hop. But back in the time when none of them were really that big yet, you know what I'm saying? Like they kind of like fused it all together like that that i that mashup of that wasn't really like known yet they were the first ones to me that i saw kind of you know they put like queen latifah with papa san or whatever you know what i'm saying and and do these kind of like you know hip-hop reggae mashups and stuff like that and shanhead was one of the first ones doing that too and i love that 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 vibe. and i think that's where kind of like how dancehall kind of came to america also through that progression you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. um you know what i'm saying so tell so tell me this yeah what was, what was your oh, sorry jeremy what i was like uh i had a question for the the community okay. real quick um uh somebody reached out i don't want to say the person's name yet but i said uh that that they were the kid that brought you the snare drum at the concert hope at the concert hope yeah they hope? said it was in uh it was a, a, a Somo concert in Ronart Park, California. In Ronart Park. Okay. All right. I'm trying to remember which concert this was. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that's yeah. a hard one to remember. The they probably, was used up in the yeah, mirror. Yeah, it was like range. very specific. That's very specific. Name, but you tell his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you like, he's just a kid. You like, he's just a kid that brought me a snare drum. I don't remember. People bring me snare drums all the time. Well, no, I don't remember. Did I did I play no, the uh, snare drum or did I what did I do with the snare drum? Like, did I need a snare drum? He said uh is as Israeli Ibar. No. Say it again. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh Rayleigh? Rayleigh. Rayleigh, all right. All right. If you say so, yeah. I mean. Maybe did I don't know I don't remember Roner Park I'm trying to remember what show that was <laughs> the concert Hope though it's called Hope, Hope. Mm, interesting Let me think about it for a minute and try no, to remember. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this Zeb you are better than most because when it comes to re remembering stuff and all this kind of stuff 
I'm honest. I'm honest. I, like, I've never done hard drugs or just been too off the chain with liquor, just anything, whatever. But I, 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 I no, but, but <laughs> I believe it, man. <laughs> but I will admit this. I'm good to say, man, the RAM on my hard drive is just kind of full sometimes, man. Yeah, you know, no, I, I get it. I, I forget to trust me, man. Some of, the guys, <laughs> some of the guys that I play with, like from my, from Detour Posse, my other band, um, like the bass player, remember every fucking show, every venue, every everything. And I'm like, man, I don't remember half of this shit, dude. Like, I'll remember specific, like, things that happen or whatever. But I mean, if we were doing, if you're doing 250 shows a year, like, do you remember, like, all the venues you played and like specific things that happened at that venue and shit is hard, man. Like, I remember, I remember food. Now, oh, okay, there you go. now if you want me to track something down and whatever you say, what? <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> is that is that is that you on the, is that you on the road, Greg? You're like, hey, uh, where we eating at, guys? Where we eating at? <laughs> hey, that's me, man. That's me. And then and then Brown is like. Man, we're not paid to eat, man. We we need to we need to get to where we need to get to do the job that we can <laughs> and making money. To eat. Yeah, you like, dude, you only got to do so much for so long. You can do whatever after the show, and I'm just like, yeah. Man, <laughs> I, I'll tell you this, London. I gotta get they got my, the uh, bomb food, man. I gotta London get my got Nando's on, man. Shout out! I to go to Jamaican Jamaican food in London all day. Is beyond excellent, man. Yeah, I think in, in London has some of the best Jamaican food outside of Jamaica, actually. Yeah, no, they have a, a lot of good food. Out there. They have a huge Jamaican community. So tell me this. How did you end up playing with like your first top level like reggae artist? Like what was the process? So you so 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 before before you answer, this is kind of how I get who you are. You're uh, a kid. You said you bounced between the valley and Venice. And then you kind of ran the hip hop a little bit. You liked punk rock. You probably liked some metal, all this, that, and the other. You said you come from a musical family. You were kind of forced to play the guitar. It wasn't your thing. You got into the drums. I say forced, but yeah. But you know, you yeah. it wasn't your thing, but you did what the family did. Okay. Yeah, we'll say yeah. that. <laughs> so how do you wind up on stage with like the likes of a shaggy or the likes of like a huge reggae <laughs> artist like man like that's a that's the million dollar question bro i get asked that a lot it's hard to answer how i think this i think like like you said like you say you meet people right and you yeah. can kind of tell like you a good reader of, of 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 energy and like you know vibes right yeah i think that's i think that's been half of my career is you know not only wanting to play music you know, as as good as possible, but also to be like relatable and cool with the artists that I'm working with or with management or whatever. I think on that level, that's pushed me a lot in my career. Just trying to make, you know, um, like cool, friendly relationships with people that I'm working with, not just like, I know a lot of guys that are dope ass drummers, man, but they're like, first question is how much am I getting paid? You know what I'm saying? That's it. Mm -hmm. They're all about, hey, how much am I getting paid? What's the gig? Da, 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 da. My yeah. thing is like, yeah, I care about that. But at the same time, like, well, tell me about the music. And, you know, like, I want to vibe with somebody and, like, you know, like, talk, you know, joke around or whatever, whatever. And then then I'll get to, like, how much it pays. You know what I'm saying? Like, my first question isn't always how much does it pay. And I think, like, for, like, upcoming musicians, that should never be the first question. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. so I think, and, there, you know, there's some amazing musicians out there. And, like, there's a, there's a documentary I always go to on Netflix. You might have seen it, Jeremy. It's called uh, Hired Gun. 
Mm-hmm. And it's Not basically, beautiful. you should check it out. It's basically a documentary about all the backing musicians from all these different genres and what they what they go through to get to where they are. Just like what you're talking about, like, how did you get to this one? It's usually a stepping stone, you know, thing, right? I played with like, you know, say like a Shinehead and then a Sugar Minot, then a Mr. Vegas, then a Lady Saw, then a, Bar- a Gregory Isaacs, then a Barrington Levy, then a shaggy or you know what i'm saying like it's kind of a stepping stone you play with certain artists and then other artists will see you or their management you know like shaggy for instance we we worked with shaggy because we um we had played for mr vegas and his ex road manager was now working with shaggy's people recommended us to back him on the george lopez show when he needed a band because he couldn't fly his band from europe so, oh, hey, Detour Posse's in L.A., grab those guys. We did that. Then we got called two or three more times, you know what I'm saying, to do, like, the, the Tonight Show and da-da-da. And then, you, you know, you establish these relationships because we did a good job, but we were also cool people to hang out with, I think. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Greg, like, you know, like, you want to work, work with people on the road that you can, you, you can get along with, you know what I'm saying? And that's why I was going back to Higher Gun because there's one part where this dude said, I think it's Rob Zombie or something, goes, you know, so a lot of guys can play really good, but you got to get guys you can live with on the bus. You got to get guys that you can live with day in and day out and not get sick of their ass and not want to throw their ass <laughs> yeah. in the street. You know what I mean? And that's a big part of it, I think. You know, Greg, from being on the road, I'm sure Jeremy, you, even in any, you, you know, comedian yeah. world too, I'm sure like same thing, you know? You know, I was, I was, I was blessed. I got my sea legs like around 2000 maybe when um, uh, Brown came up with this concept of uh, this 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 uh, tour that we pitched to our booking agents at the time uh, called CaliCon. It was California Communications. So the the concept was to get uh, all these California artists and to do like a thirty date tour in maybe like 34, 35 days. Like it was it was like compact. So you basically started out on one coast and you made your way up into uh west coast canada down and up across the top and then all the way over to you know to new york but hitting florida and yeah the routing the routing was this yeah yeah but but the but the twist is uh you know you have to be a special person to compose yourself on the road like there's a lot of mind games involved in it like man you know i've seen guys who were the dopest musicians ever but they were homesick and, and they were just horrible people because they were homesick. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, you're like, dang, you know, I've, I've, and for me, uh, there's some musicians that I personally pulled in and said, okay, I, I got this guy. But that was kind of later in, in the management and tour management career. But earlier, someone would just recommend somebody. We'd have them come in. They play at a practice. And we'd be like, oh, man we got this person they're dope you know man no problems and then you get on the road you can't deal sometimes (laughs) they freeze up in front of a festival and and it's just kind of like oh my god this dude or or, or sometimes they're just an asshole on the bus or whatever you know what i'm saying you're like oh nobody wants to hang out with this guy like (laughs) man we we get we get we had the assholes and all that kind of stuff too but i guess my biggest like kind of like i guess just awareness to to how you don't know someone until you're around them for like a week or two. Very true. Weeks. Dude, you get them on the road. Dude, I've had guys trip out because they missed their dog. 
Like not even a woman. Like not even a woman. They're missed. They miss. I do all the time. I miss my dog all the time. In, in, in bad attitude, just everything, and I'm just like, oh man. I, I had I, okay. I'll say this, then we'll move on. I thought you meant like he missed his dogs and he pour no. out the liquor for him. No. Or <laughs> <laughs> what about a four legged <laughs> friend. He misses. <laughs> dude, oh my god. We had this one dude. We were in Germany. I'll never forget it. Won't mention his name. He left his shoes at the venue because he just was a wild boy. He left his shoes at the venue. We're in the Sprinter band going to the hotel. He doesn't realize he's left his shoes until like maybe 15 or 20 minutes away from the venue in a Sprinter van. And the hotel is probably about 45 minutes or whatever away from the thing. Fuck this shit, man. I, I'm going home. I ain't. I ain't and I'm like, man, I, I had never dealt with that before. And I, I literally... I had to talk the dude off the ledge and be like, dude, you're tripping off of some shoes, man. We have an off day tomorrow, man. You yeah. need some more shit. Yeah. But, that's, but that's the road meltdown. Like, people go through that shit a lot, man. That road yeah. meltdown. Depends on how long you're on the road for and how, how much drama and stress it's been. But it gets to that point sometimes, you know, where you're like, somebody just flips the fuck out. Like, you're like, oh, dude, relax, bro. Like, it's, it's going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? You know, as, as, as the manager and road manager, I make it my business to like have a personal relationship with, with everybody who we bring out like to yeah. a level. So my thing is like, I'll go and have a drink with them before a show or something, or I'll treat them to dinner or something just so yeah. I could be around them so that, that they have the, they, like, so they understand my rapport. And, and, and it's like, okay, if you have a problem, you can come to me. Just, just I, I can fix it. Like, just let me know. And then they feel comfortable. And so even if something does kind of like tilt them out of their comfort zone, which a lot of them, they have girls, they have wives, they've never really been away from home. And you know their 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 wife or their girl gave them permission to come out, and they're thinking like, oh man, I'm about to make this money, and I'm about to play these shows. Yeah, and the third show, the reality of being on the road, like man. Yeah, no, it's you know, I think you know, like the, the more the more uh, seasoned you are at doing it, it's a lot easier for you. Like when you get guys that have never done it before, and it's the first time they're leaving their girl or their kid or whatever, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying, like. That's why a lot of bands will go for like uh, somebody with experience, like already been on the road for, you know, when you get, when you get the, the green dude that has like the new baby and shit, sometimes it's, it's hard, man. You know, it ain't, it ain't an easy life. That's for sure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know that. <laughs> I get it, man, bro. You, you, you get in paper and you doing what you want to do, man. It's like, what, what, any, only you can mess this up. <laughs> I mean, but see, you're you're an, like you're an intelligent comedian, man. You 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 take chances, you take risks. You're you're even if you're in a relationship, you know how to be independent. You know what I'm saying, dude? It's dudes that like you don't know what makes them tick. Like literally, you don't know. Yeah, and you're going off of them yeah. coming into a rehearsal hall and doing the most incredible stuff you've ever seen. And like I, I can just remember the feeling of saying, "Ooh, we gonna kill it!" Like, oh man, this is tight. Like me driving home from the practice, like, yeah, that was that was tight. We're gonna give it to him. Right. Dude, <laughs> this dude has lost it before we even get on the flight. Like, we're just at the airport and he's on the he's fighting with his chick or something, you know what I'm saying? Like it could be any little thing at home could mess everything they up. Walk, man. They walk away from everybody and they're off in the corner and you see him <laughs> on the phone, and then they come back, like, yeah, man, everything's okay, man. Yeah, it's cool. And I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> you know. Man, yeah, it's it's a hard life, man. It's not for everybody, definitely. And it, it's not for every musician either. That's why a lot of guys just like to be in the studio, you know what I'm saying? 
you know, they just don't really like that whole bus touring, like, lifestyle. I, I personally still love it. I still love playing live music. I like playing in front of big audiences. And, you know, like you said, like, this scene that I'm in, um, this American reggae scene. Now, it's funny because I jumped from the Jamaican reggae scene to the American reggae scene, which I'm very happy about, honestly. Um, this scene has grown, like, beyond. I mean, it's crazy, bro. Like, how like how much money is being made how many fans there are for this music like you say most of us aren't on the radio you know what i'm saying most of it is like spotify but you know we might we have you know we'll have like 200 million spotify's uh you know hits or whatever 100 million i don't even know but like you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. pandora we had like a billion spins or something but you won't hear us on mainstream radio you won't hear um slightly stupid a revolution on mainstream radio but the scene it's kind of like the underground hip-hop scene Back in the 90s, like it just got exponentially, you awesome. know, huge. And there's a huge, the fans are like super uh -huh. loyal and, and awesome, man. It's a really cool scene, you know? I'll, I'll say the the reggae scene that you, you're you a part of, the like, kind of like a West Coast, Cali. Uh, it's American it's, reggae scene, basically. You know, it's like they call it Cali reggae, but it's really okay. the whole country, yeah. Okay, I, I can live with Cali though. I, I get, I get, I get how somebody. Can that. It was kind of a lot of bands was born here in California yeah. that started this 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 genre. So yeah. that's kind of why I kind of sort of got that name a little bit. But it's oh, just wow. kind of it's grown though. And you know, it's 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 uh so. Um, speaking of me, my dog having pups, my 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 main. Well, he's not my main, but he's my he's my like my favorite male dog. His name I named him Chalky White. After uh, <laughs> Boardwalk <laughs> Empire, <laughs> he's gangster too. I like that. I like that. That's what I, I look like in this light right now, chalky white. Oh, man, you good. <laughs> so, <I need> some... <laughs> his, his the breeder that I got oh. him from. Shout out the Bandolero Bulldogs. You know what I'm saying? He, he laced me. He laced me with a, with a real one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when I went to his Instagram, dude, he's a huge fan of you guys, man. Oh, for real. And, and then I told him. That I had met you on a flight, gave him the whole little story, and that kind of gave me some cool points, man. He might have sold, <laughs> he might have sold his sold the dog to me for a little bit less because of uh, a couple little tails here and there. I you saved know. you some money, bro. I saved you some money. See that, dude? So wasn't off nothing. How so, did you? Uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was actually I was gonna ask how, how did you meet D Detour Posse? Um, so that so the bad Detour Posse was um. A band that was uh, had another lead singer. He started the band, and I joined the band, and we kind of created this whole new uh, thing of us being like a backing band. Um, we all kind of came from different bands, but in the LA reggae scene, there was only like a small group of people that were actually like real reggae players, I think, and there wasn't there that many bands at that time. It's like the mid '90s, you know. And then we all kind of like we started grabbing guys from you know, from different bands and stuff like that. We're already backing guys that already had experience backing. And we just kind of got thrown into it by like LA promoters, really. Like we, we wanted to come out as like, we wanted to be like third world, you know, we wanted to be like, you know, our own version of third world or whatever, right? But once we started doing that, the promoters for a lot of the reggae shows in LA started coming to see us and they're like, oh, I wonder if these guys can, you know, back Mr. Vegas or back Lady Saw or back this artist or these four artists, you know? So we started doing that and that's kind of how all of it came together. But we all were kind of from the same scene, you know what I mean? That's kind of how we all met. I'm sure it's similar to like, you know, the hip hop scene too. Kind of everybody knows everybody type of vibe, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, comedy same. Comedy same, right? Like, uh-huh. It's not about who you know, it's who knows you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. You know what I'm uh, another thing about Jeremy, the funny thing, I, I say this story a million times, too. So when uh, I went, so anyway, when we when when he when he started doing the show, um, he's like, "Oh man, I know such and such," and "Oh man, I know such and such." And you know, you hear people say, "Oh, I know this person," and then, "Oh, I know this person." And you're like, "Okay, you know, maybe they do, maybe they don't, whatever." No, he really knows a lot of comedians. You know, <laughs> yeah, I bet I'm sure. No, but I mean, he. Knows. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to check out his stand up after this. Uh, oh, man. before I forget, I do. I think I do know the show he's talking about. I think his son brought. A snare drum that I signed or something. Oh wait, wait, hello, man. Yo, back to the other guy. The other guy. The, yeah, the you, snare you, drum. You broke this man's heart. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think now that he now that he said that <laughs> now, now I think I do remember. He asked, "Can you talk to him or no?" Yeah, I mean, look, he he, he, he think he's still listening. But yeah, ask, he you, said, ask, uh, ask him if it's the one where he brought his son and I signed the drum for him. Look, no lie, he said. Uh, he said, "My dad and I." Uh, Brought the snare drumming. Okay, like, then I do. Yes, tell him. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. He's gone, Zeb. He's gone. I'm sorry. Nah, nah, gone. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, bro. I do remember. Yeah, they waited. <laughs> Actually, I do remember. They waited for me to come out after like a long while, and I and I finally came out and they say, "Oh, yeah, the snare drum." Now I remember Ronan Park because it didn't really like click to me, man. But now I do remember. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I'm Take sorry. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Nah, man. Come on, man. You said you got a thousand shows, man. Come on. How I'm just tired of man. Like you said, man. We old, man. Ram, Don't have any man, ram. No ram, ram drive left, bro. Yo, yo, you broke yeah. that man's heart. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry. I feel bad now. Oh, that's good. I feel bad. Nah, we, we, you know, like, like I was saying, like, you know, this, this, um. The American reggae scene is, and, and and it's also cool because a lot of bands are, are working with hip hop artists in in this scene as well. You know what I'm saying? And like I mentioned, J Five earlier, like Charlie Tuna is pretty big in this scene. He does a lot of songs with a lot of these bands. Um, with slightly stupid, he tours with them and the movement and all these bands too. And you know that's why I want I want to get Farside on some on some collabs with some of us would be amazing. You know, we, we kind of sort of talked about it before, but this would be a good nah, time. Nah, While nobody's touring right now, this might be a really good time to try and make we that gonna happen. We're going to make something happen. Because I, I I'm actually, telling you. I actually got a couple little little things going on that I'll discuss with you. That now, we talk about that on, 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 the, on the private, but yeah, let's do yeah, that, man. Yeah, that's going to be like, ooh we Yeah, hey. some, yeah some, so some. So I've got another question from the community. Uh, Zeb, uh, what was your favorite uh, tour to group uh, tour group to travel with, or anybody you like? Any group you uh, like to travel with, or just people in general? Um, artists. Well, I actually really liked um, playing with Travel Seeds and touring with Travel Seeds. Um, you know, um, all the guys are super cool. We have a we have a big crew. We have a lot of guys on the bus. <laughs> There's 15 of us <laughs> on the bus. Um, and I also love my other band, Detour Posse, because we were brothers and we know that we played together for like 15 some odd years. As far as artists go, like working with artists, um, I'm going to say Gregory Isaacs um, was one of my favorites to play mm-hmm. with and back. Um, he was just a super cool guy. I love playing his music. Lady Saw is also really another one that's super, super cool and down to earth. Um mm-hmm. And half pint, I would say. I think those three like really stand out to me as like Shaggy's really cool um, to work with, but I never toured with them. But I would, I would, I would love to tour with them. But we just played TV shows with him mostly. You know what I'm saying? 
So you never know until you get on the road. Like, you know, once you get on the road, you really see like, hey, this person's like, cool, this guy's kind of a, a diva or whatever, you know. I won't name names, but there's some divas in Oh, uh, come on, man. I've seen, I've seen. I, know, I heard you know. Shaggy was a liar. <laughs> it wasn't him, bro. It wasn't him. <laughs> it wasn't him. Oh, no, it's funny. I, so you mentioned Shaggy. So like, I, I always, this is something like for producers and people out there, like, um, I asked him because you know a lot of Shaggy songs was um was based on covers, right? Angel and um, yeah, of course, yeah. you know they were all basically like cover, and you know you got to pay. Bombastic was a cover. The song, the music was basically taken from was it Marvin Gaye? Let's get it on or one of them songs. That's basically oh, okay. what the music is. So I'm sure he had to pay royalties for that. Angel oh, right, right, right. is a is a mashup of the Joker and Angel of the Morning, Juice Newton. Had to pay for that. A lot of his song, um, uh, what's the first one he had? Okay, right, okay. That was a cover too. So I asked him, I was like, do you care about um giving up? Like, you know, because a lot of artists don't want to use samples or, or, or take songs because of publishing and all that. And he's like, bro, he's like, I don't give a fuck. He's like, these songs are allowing me to have a career as a musician and tour and all that shit. I'll give up all of my fucking royalties for that. He's like, I don't care. Oh. And I, wow. I thought the cool way to look at it though was like, some people kind of look at music like, okay, I want all of the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want all of this. Everything. And sometimes you got to let go of some of that to make more of that. You know what I'm saying? And I think that was uh -huh. kind of like, I agreed with them on that was something to learn, you know? Dude, I'll, I'll tell you something. As a, I really didn't have a concept of publishing till like maybe 2003, 2004, or something like that, even though I had worked, you know, with, with the band and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But what I learned is that if, if like, like if, if an artist has like, they want a hot sample in a song that they know is going to take their career to a level. Same with same, like the thinking along the lines of Shaggy, dude, they'll give up all the publishing. They'll be like, dude, I'm not even worried. Okay. You know what? You're going to go sell out every show. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. Sell out. So what you did, you didn't get a hundred percent of your publishing. So what, you know what I'm saying? That's one song. That one song. I mean, Shaggy, so what 15 million copies of hot shot, <laughs> like 15 million <laughs> records, man. He's like, he don't give a fuck. He's like, and I, you know, I thought that was not that I'm saying everybody should go out and do covers. I'm just saying like, you could, you could, you could extrapolate that to any songwriting. Cause you know, a lot of people really want to like control all of the royalties and all those things sometimes. And like, Oh, I'll never use a sample or whatever. Cause I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to give up, you know, X amount of dollars, but at the end of the day, bro, you want to hit, right? Like, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll be sampling comedians jokes. I'll be like, I'll tell a joke <laughs> and I'll be like, Hey, come here, Cedric. Finish this joke for me. <laughs> All right, thank you hey. for going back. Hey, man, whatever works. <laughs> as long as it gives Hell you a no, career. <laughs> now, I was wondering about that. So I was wondering about that with you guys. Like, do you ever like, because we do that with music, bro. Like, I, I'll write a song and subliminally, it'll sound like some other shit I've heard, like a certain part or something. Does that ever happen to you guys? Like, you write a joke and you're like, oh, fuck, you know what? Chris Rock did that shit back in 90, uh, but you know, like, or whatever, like, does it ever, like, did you guys ever go through that same thing? Uh, man, I've heard so many different versions of, of that, but, um, I'll say, uh, for me, I think of comedy as like a rhythm. So I'll say maybe I'll find a rhythm. I'll be like, Oh, I like that rhythm, but really it'll be another comics rhythm. You know what I'm saying? So I had to avoid that, but 
a lot of comics just straight up steal and they'll lie and be like, oh, I've never heard it before. Like, no, that's <laughs> it's clearly, probably easy. <laughs> or, or, or I think it's a, it's a stage in growth because, um, you know, I always say nobody invented stand-up comedy. So we saw somebody do it and then we go, okay, let me apply that, you know, but then after somewhere along the journey, you become yourself. You know, right, but, right. but some comics they'll just be stuck doing uh, a low key Dave Chappelle impression and try to pass it off. But they was like, Oh man, dang, shit. Damn. Ah. And like, hey, people they get off stage, you're like, hey man, good set, man. Hey, yeah, that was a good set. Like, this was doing Chappelle the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you're like, that's been man, done already. That's been done already. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that that's like music too. I mean, and and you know, as certain, when you first start now, you're trying to emulate people that you like, right? You know, what I mean, I think all that mm-hmm. comes with experience, right? You know, right, I mean, right. I, I mean, it's I guess it's different in, in in the comedy world. Music, you only have a certain amount of notes to work with. It's how you put those notes together. Comedians, yeah, you right. kind of have this world of current events and you know words and shit, which is a lot. I think broader, probably. You know, man, but, I always say it's you know. It's not enough circuses in town, so they have they have to go somewhere else. They have, <laughs> have to come. I mean, that's just what happens. I mean, you know, so you get you get so many different types in comedy. I feel like the term comedy is too broad of a term for right. what we actually do. Yeah. But uh, you know, all are welcome. Uh, everybody has a different idea of what comedy is, and you have to, you have to accept it. I mean, as long as um you know it, it's making money and and people are interested in what you're doing. I mean, you know, and there's a place for it. But um, I'd say uh, kind of along with your original sentiment, uh, you're saying like about which I feel like what you were saying and Shaggy and all these other people is, you know, you, you do it because you love it. And um, as long as you follow what you love, you know, like the money and, you know, even your status of where you belong on this planet comes with that. You yeah, know, trying to trying to control that is how you lose it all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when I mean, it all I mean probably your mind more than anything all of it too you got yeah exactly yeah you you know you can't yeah exactly you're doing it because you love it you would have do it for free you know what i'm saying like i you know we've all done it for free i still do shit for free i'm sure you do too you know what i'm saying so it's like you know we would do this either way so the fact that we can actually make a living doing it is amazing to me i'll never take it for granted you know what i mean and but yeah it's it's not an easy road, bro. Like Bougie Montan said, <laughs> it's not like enter- anything in the entertainment industry, man. I mean, and look at us now through COVID, like we got hit, like murdered. Like, I, you know, maybe in your world is a little different. And in, in our world, in the music touring industry, we're just like, wow, what do we do now? So now we got to be creative and be like, all right, you know, I'm doing a lot of studio shit. I'm recording, I'm writing, I'm singing, I'm doing all kinds of stuff you know, merch items, you know, whatever we can do to like, try and like, you know, work through this thing and, you know, also mm-hmm. stay healthy on all that shit, man. It's a crazy year, bro. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I got a question. Well, for you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. You got it. So I'm gonna ask you a question. It's usually framed for, uh, for hip hop, but I'm gonna make, for you, I'm gonna make the exception and mix it up. Hip hop and reggae. Your four top MCs slash DJs, which a DJ is an MC in reggae. Uh, okay, so you want so you want my reggae picks or my hip hop picks? It could be four people, but you can mix them up. Oh, in in all categories. Yeah. Wow, that's a rough one, man. Wow. <laughs> uh, okay, I mean for hip hop, 
I mean, I, some people might like. Look, I'm gonna put. I always put KRS One at the top of my list for hip hop as my favorite rapper. I know everybody loves Biggie and okay. Tupac, but I don't put Biggie and Tupac even in my. You know, I go, I go more for, um, for Rakim, and you know what I'm saying. Like, I go more for that, for that route. So I'm gonna say those two, and I, I'll put Nas in there too, honestly. Uh, you know, never fails up in there. He makes it in every episode. I try to and, let it fly. And this is gonna be surprising. <laughs> this is gonna be surprising. A lot of people might talk smack, whatever. But I love Busta Rhymes. I still love Busta Rhymes. Busta Rhymes is some of my favorite songs of all time. Maybe he's not the quintessential MC's MC or whatever, but I love that dude, man. I'm going to put him in there. You know what I'm saying? Underrated. Underrated. I think he's underrated, and I'm still a fan. You know what I'm saying? I got the new record. They came out and all that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, times have changed, whatever. But, man, when, you know, but man, when he came, and then when I used to go see him live and shit, man, I mean, he him and Spliff Star with the little dances they used to do together and all that <laughs> shit, bro. You ever seen them live together? Oh, my God. They were oh, murderous, oh. man. They were murderous. <laughs> I got some Buster Rhymes trivia. Oh, uh -oh. shit. All right. Who? Well, no, I can't reverse it, but I'll I just say it. Uh, Buster Rhymes and Q-Tip. Q-Tip and Buster Rhymes were each other's, like, first rapping partners. You know what I'm saying? Before, before everything jumped off. And it's that's before leaders of the new school and all that shit. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Old school, old school. And somebody close oh. to Q-Tip told me that. And when I listened to it, I was like, they are kind of similar. And then and then Q-Tip did a solo album and they did a song together. And I was listening to them rap and I was like, they're they're similar enough. They're not the same person, but they're they're similar. And I was like, oh man. Yeah, that's a little Busta Rhymes trivia. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, they got like at least they got like a song per album together, man. I mean, they that, that's that's the they got like a Batman and Robin vibe, like for real, for real. Like they they go they go together. Fuck you. I love Tim that's too, man. I love for I mean, I you know that whole like I said that whole era, man. I miss that era of of, of hip hop, man. You know what I'm saying? I wish it would all come back. You know what I'm saying? I know everybody right now is into like. You know, but what's going on on the radio or whatever, 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 and all that. But me, you know, we kind of old school. Like, I, I mess with it a little bit, but it's not really my thing. You know what I'm saying? I really still, like, I'll still go back and listen to my Far Side records, and I, I'll still go back. I this group called the Boogie Monsters from New, yeah. New York. Yeah. So like, I used to fuck with that group hard, man. Like the other day, I was in my car, I was like, I would hear the Boogie Monsters, and I was pull up the Boogie Monsters, like, oh man, they, they never got anywhere. You know, man, I even like the UMCs, blue cheese and all that oh, shit. Come on. I love man. all of that, man. Like, come so on. You, you know what I mean? Like my I last like time. To, era. My last time to Europe, uh, I ran into Feral Monch and uh shout out to DJ Boogie Blind. You know what I'm saying? That's his that's his DJ. But um I'll say this, man. Uh it's pretty impressive, uh, the tribal seeds, man. That's, Thank you, man. That, that's that's, you. that's 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 a pretty impressive feat. Jeremy has a question for you, but before we hop to that, what's the name of the Tribal Seeds new album? So this so so I'll give you a little backstory real quick on the new record. It's called Tribal Seeds Live: The 2020 Sessions. Okay, so it's a live record that we recorded during quarantine at a venue. Um, so there's no audience, but the music is live. We mixed it. We did the video, all of that. It's I don't know if you guys have seen I'm going to send you the links for it. Um, you can find it on YouTube, the whole 
the whole live album is a visual also. Um, looking for Tribal Seeds Live, the 2020 sessions. That should come up. And it's also on sale as, as an album, vinyl, and all of that. Um, we set out to just do it as uh, a live stream that we were going to pre-record because we wanted to mix it and make it sound. You know, we saw a lot of bands having a lot of struggles with live streams sounding Everybody good, right? Did. Everybody did. Everybody's, you couldn't hear the bass on this one. The vocal on this one was like phasing and shit. You know what I mean? And we were like, look, man, probably better if we pre-record it and mix it and make it like this, you know, cool thing and, and shoot it with six cameras and the whole nine. And it actually came out, we had a string quartet. We got two violins, a cello and a viola in this concert with us. And we have our horn section. Plus we have DJ Switch cutting it up on the turntables with the band. So I think you guys will dig it too. And I think your fan, your audience will dig it too. Um, and so we, we, we were gonna really, we were gonna just do it as a live stream, but we're like, damn, this shit sounds really good. The visual looks amazing. Like, let's just put out as a live record. So that's what we did. And that's that's where it's at right now. And uh, we're going to release the studio record next year. But we wanted to release something, at least for the fans, during the quarantine thing so they could have some music. We put about four or five new songs on there, too, that are live versions of the new songs, you know. Yeah. But the band, you know, we, we, we've been working hard during us. We kind of got fucked with the whole COVID thing just for, like, re recording. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was like at the beginning, everybody at the beginning was like, I don't want to go to that studio because I don't trust none of y'all, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, now, you know, we kind of worked it out. We got our own studio now and it's a lot easier to work on it. So we're finishing it up. But I know a lot of you guys, um, listeners probably aren't familiar with us, but um, we're, we are a roots reggae band, but we also blend in a lot of other elements like EDM and even some rock stuff within roots reggae. Um, so we kind of, and plus the band, we're mostly Latino. So like some songs in Spanish and things like that as well. So um, we kind of have a broad appeal. That's why we've been doing that's inter Internationally, we've been starting, we had tours booked right before COVID to go to Europe and do all the, you know, Summer Jam again. We did Summer Jam last year, uh, Rota Tom and all of that shit. You know what I mean? And COVID kind of screwed all that up, bro. But, you know, we're still here going strong. So... Mm -hmm. Anybody wants to check us out? It's called Tribal Seeds Live, the 2020 hey. sessions. That's a shameless plug. Hey, I, I got a, I got a question because uh, it's something I never really, um, I never really put two and two together. So uh, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm a knowledgeable person, but this, this is, this is interesting to me. Can you please explain to me the difference between reggae and reggaeton? Oh, uh, wow. Okay, so reggaeton. Because I didn't know. <laughs> okay, so, so reggaeton is based based off of um what we used to call in we Jamaica used to have a beat called a Pokemon Jam. It's called a Pokemon Jam with Okay, reggaeton is based on that, which was dancehall. That was like the beginning of dancehall era. And um Reggaeton basically took that one beat and made like 80 billion songs out of that one beat. <laughs> and, shout, and shout out to Nori, man. Shout out to Nori. Nori. But, hey, I'm not hating. I'm not hating. They're making money. I, I mean, there's some, good, there's some dope reggaeton songs. To me, the difference between reggae and reggaeton is that reggae has an infinite amount of tempo variations, styles of drums. Um, I, could, I could show you a hundred different reggae drum beats but there's about one or two reggaeton. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but it's all, but reggaeton, I mean, basically it's based off of dancehall from that era. And I'm trying to remember the name of the song that was like the first one. That kind no, of- it, it was Nori. I, I don't know. Nori was it Nori? Was, yeah, Nori was one of the first dudes. I can't I can't remember the song. No, I, no I'm trying to go back to the first where oh, they got Nori. it from. Okay. Yeah. Not Noriega. No. Like, yeah. yeah, Noriega. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Shame on it's way back. Sh- no, well, I'm not talking about the old school. No, I'm there was a guy reggaeton. named Nardo Ranks. Nardo Ranks was probably the first reggaeton. If you look up Nardo Ranks. Pum pum mami mami no fe bangwa da se pum pum mami mami no fe bangwa. That was kind of one of the first reggaeton songs, but we listened to it as dancehall. To us, it was dancehall, but it kind of started the whole reggaeton because it had that beat. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> that shit. But that shit created a whole a genre. Just that one drum beat. It's crazy. Because listen to hip hop has a billion different beats, right? Reggae has a lot uh-huh. of different beats, but reggaeton has that one beat. But they can make an infinite <laughs> amount of songs with that one beat. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, Is this like the whole... Uh... MC versus rapper conversation or something because it could I feel like be. I feel like it was kind of a slight to reggaeton people. <laughs> okay, I'm not trying to diss reggaeton people. You should ask me what the difference was. You got that one. But the thing about reggaeton that's cool is that they um they uh <laughs> they like to blend um different genres with it too, like EDM and things like that. And that's why like it's it's lasted so long. It's not just the beat, you know what I'm saying? They are adding different uh-huh. things on it, you know what I'm saying? But it's just funny to me because I always look at it like that. I'm like, oh, you need a reggaeton drum lesson. All right, you got 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> this dude right here. Well, I'm only playing reggaeton, people. I'm only playing. Tell me this, Zeb. <laughs> we gonna close it out, and I'm gonna ask you, where do you see the interaction of uh just us as a society in the next two years? Bro, that's a hard question because right now, I mean, we've all seen this year, this last four years have been pretty trying, I think, for America. And like, I mean, I I hate to say it, but I, the divide that I see right now is really saddening to me. And, you know, like, I don't remember. I mean, it's always kind of been there. I just think it's just come to the forefront now. And I think like we as a as a society, there's a lot of stuff like that's deep seated issues that I don't know that are going to change in the next two years, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? All we can do as people is, is try and be positive to one another and try and love each other no matter what. But that's hard to say when you got a lot of people in this country that don't seem to really care about anybody else. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'm, 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 I hate to be negative, but it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the positive light in, where we're at as a country right now, where we're at as a society, um, where we're at in the world standing compared to other places, you know what I'm saying? And I'm kind of really saddened to see, you know, I have hopes for the future. I'll say that, I have hopes for the future, you know? Well, I I I hope that we can, you know. I'll say this, you and I are a great example. You're definitely not a black guy. I'm definitely not a white or or, a Hispanic guy. Two dudes on a flight, both got their laptops popped open. I'm kind of hustling on your your laptop. You might be kind of hustling on my laptop. <laughs> we, we what you working on? What you working on? <laughs> <laughs> we spark up a conversation. It, it has to do with music. We have a drink, and man, we cool to this day. 
You know what to I'm saying? To this day, bro. And there you go. That's what you just said, man. I think music was the not the, the key in there as exactly. well. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm music exactly. music brings people together, strangers, whatever race and all that crap. Forget all that. Music is what brings people together. And that's why we do it. That's why we're all involved. And entertainment, making people laugh and smile, what Jeremy does. That's what bring those things bring people together, man. That's why I like <laughs> We all, even though we all, we, I just met Jeremy right now. We, we homies now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Nah, I get him. I get him. He gets me. And I think, you know, I, I appreciate you guys having me on the show, man. I really do. You know, we, no, we going to have you back. And, and hey, anytime. Uh, so I've only seen Jeremy like live one time, but I saw a po a clip that he posted on um, Instagram uh, this morning. And it kind of made me feel like, damn, I miss seeing Jeremy do comedy. He's, you know, because <laughs> you know, here, I'm no, because on the show, he asks questions with me. That's kind of his thing. He doesn't like. He's not. He he he's a he's team not player. doing he's not doing a routine, but he's back he's not there the making Jeremy show. He's no, got he's, some, he got some quips in there. He's dry. I like his. I like him. He's dry. He's got like a dry humor. I like that. Nah, but when, <laughs> but, but, when, but when he uh when he, when he let loose on them, though, it was kind of it was entertaining to me to see him. You know? Oh man, that man. was that was young me, man. That guy, that guy was a, a wild one. No, hey, hey, that clip, hey, he, about, yeah, that he he's he's fine <laughs> now. Wait, what yeah, happened? Yeah, I missed I'm, it. I'm a little sharper. Oh, I said that the clip that he's talking about. I, that's like a it was an old show. That was like oh. Oh, you gotta send me this shit. Y'all gotta email me this uh, shit. I got man. you, man. I man actually, you, you know what's funny? So the, the 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 community is asking. Um, they're asking for links to everybody's stuff right now. So I'm sending them links. Uh, everybody want to share love, and, uh, you know, whatever. But you yeah, got, you got a lot of love in here, Zeb. Uh, Amanda Dulong, she's been. Uh, oh, Amanda, what's up, Amanda? Time. Oh, right on. She's, she's awesome people's, yeah. They, they, yeah, those, they, Amanda and all, all that crew, man, they support this music heavy, man. That's that's what I'm saying about the fans, brother. The fans for this music are incredible, man. They're really supportive, man. And uh, you, mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you who one of them. And then also homies. share. Go ahead. No, you know you go. I was gonna uh, Sherry Powell as well. Yeah, that's my mom. That <laughs> that's <laughs> my mom. <laughs> of course, you gotta shout me Yo. out, my mom. <laughs> Yo, you got you got you got love, man. You got a uh, I'm gonna say this wrong. Okay, Joser, uh, Cavada. Okay, so Hoser, Hoser's the one Hoser, that, that Hoser, he's uh, he's our he's our videographer uh, that did our our uh, live oh, album okay. video. So check it out. Hoser did all the visuals on it. Live, remember Tribal Seeds live the 2020 sessions. If you guys are out there, check it out. Man, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm, I'm get up with you, Zed. Man, we yeah, great man. I, distance drink on them, man. You absolutely, know man. We could stay six feet. Tell yeah. where, <laughs> I don't know where I don't know where Jeremy lives, but he meet us too, man. Let's fucking hang out, man. I'm I'm here. I'm in the city. Right. Let's go. Let's do it. Hey, you guys, I really appreciate you guys having me on, man. Thanks for calling me, Greg. No, nah, easy. Anything you want to shout out though, real quick? I mean, I know you shout out the album, but anything you want to, you know? I just want to shout out everybody out there, man. No matter what what side of the field you're on, man, just be safe and 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 love one another. You know what I'm saying? And we're gonna we can get through all of this, man. You know, what I mean, your, I do uh, have hope. Give your social media. Oh, my social media is at Zebdrum Z E B D R U M on Instagram. So if you want to follow me on there, I always post all my stuff on there. And the band is Tribal Seeds. It's at, at Tribal Seeds uh, on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And all our dates and all of that stuff will be on all of that stuff. So hopefully by next year, we got shows and tours booked for 2021. We'll see. We might, um, hopefully we'll be doing a, a drive-in. In fact, Greg, 
I would love for you guys to come um, in February oh, cool. around the 20th. Uh, it, we're going to advertise it, but we're supposed to be doing a drive-in at the Grove in Anaheim. So I'm going to throw something into the universe. I'm going to holler at you tomorrow about a song, that I, that I, a concept that I got that I think will be dope. And you can run up the flagpole to your folks and maybe uh, <laughs> when you do when you do that little uh, Anaheim Grove or the the little the little thizzle you talking about right now, make it, you guys come on. Yeah, I can that bring my special out, man. That can, would be a, that would be pretty amazing. Call me tomorrow, bro. Don't forget. Yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> I appreciate you guys, man. I appreciate all the fans and the listeners, man. Thank you guys so much, man. And Jeremy, your social media. Uh, I say as of right now, just check me out uh, at Jeremy Comedy. Uh, I'm going to be dropping something real soon, an hour of content, brand new content. Uh, you know, people keep hitting me with the whole, oh, man, we need to laugh right now. Well, I got it. It's all packaged up 2020 with a bow on it. It's coming. That's it. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm going to check Jeremy's shit out right now and get off the phone. What's that? Uh, yeah, what's, what's that CBD line, man? That I might might need to give oh, you yeah. gummies for the for my back. My. Inspire ninety one. Inspire ninety one's uh, CBD. Uh, they got a uh, if you having trouble sleeping or you know just getting through the night or with something you know to de stress and dehumidify your body. Uh, Inspire ninety one. You can go to uh, on IG and uh, you know just go ahead and order straight from the link. Inspire ninety one. I'm gonna check that out too. And uh, I'm at Smooch, S-C-H-M-O-O-C-H-E. That's my IG. Uh, yeah, man, I'm just out here trying to bring cool uh, dudes like Zeb and uh, Jeremy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we cool dudes. Yo, Zeb, your hey. people are a fool, dog. I'm not there going crazy in this chat now. <laughs> they going crazy? They going crazy in the chat? <laughs> yeah, man, for you, dog. Oh, man. Hey, man, thank you. I appreciate everybody, man. I appreciate the love from all you guys and all the fans, man, for real. Next time I'm going to have a Imperial Cruiser like Greg and I'll look cooler. Oh, man, Greg needs an Imperial Cruiser, man. Yeah, he does. <laughs> hey, Jeremy, shout, shout everybody out for me. Tell them I said I love them all, man. Yo, uh, let me see. Uh, Tony Ray, uh, Jacobo. Yeah, it's Tony uh, Ray. Tony Ray, he's one of the founders of Tribal Seeds right there. T. Ray and his brother yo, Steve he, started the band. And yo, he just told Hoser to get back to work. Ah! <laughs> hey, man. Hey, he ain't lying, man. Get... <laughs> Slave drive that fool. <laughs> <laughs> I got a favor, Zed, yeah, before I close it out. I want to do a, a, a interview with Tribal Seeds, man. I know it's a gang of y'all, man, but we got Zoom, man. We can... <laughs> Oh, Oh my God, there's a lot of us. Hey, but you know what? Hey, you know what though? I could get uh probably like four or five of us to do it. Yeah, Maybe not everybody, but I could do that. We could yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, the I other guy, the other guy, the other guys are funny as hell, too, man. You you like all of them, man. They all, they if, all you good. Can they give, all good. if you could give me four, man, I'd like to have a great conversation. We put it together, yeah. man. Absolutely, brother. Hit me up tomorrow and we'll talk about all this stuff, man. Nah, cool. Well, dude, thank you, man. Uh, once again, as a musician, like, like I've never seen you play with Tribal Seeds. You but, got um, to. You got to come out. When I saw you with Barrington Levy, it was like my first time watching you and I was just kind of like... Yeah, I don't man. know, man. That was a fun yeah. show, man. That was a cool yeah. show. I was like, I was a, that was cool that we got to do that together after we after we had met too. That was dope. Yeah. How that all worked out. Oh, yeah. that's the universe working, man. It, you Straight know, up. Cool. Yeah. yeah, definitely, man. All right. So thanks everybody for tuning okay, in. Okay, thank you everybody.